Welcome to a bonus episode of the USL show. Um, we had teased this, Tyler had teased this just a couple days ago if you follow us on Twitter. But hey, this one's a bit of a surprise for our podcast only people, but we hope you're stoked. Um, we have a special guest, the first ever head coach for uh, Lexington Sporting Club. And, um, and whenever this guy was announced, the memes were coming out of that picture of Obama crowning, uh, giving himself the Medal of Honor, um, which was kind of funny. Um, but listen, we got uh, Sam Sockley, the uh, sporting director and the head coach of uh, Lexington. Sam, how you doing, man? I'm really good, thank you. Appreciate you lads having me on the show. Um, I, f I follow bits and bobs with you guys and obviously know Tyler well and how, how supportive he's been of the club and everything like that. So uh, re really delighted to be on the show and appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you, I was stoked whenever I found out you were going to be the head coach. It was on my mind. I was sitting there thinking and I was like, I, it's got to be. But, uh, you know, you always have those questions. You speculate. <laughs> you know what? It's uh, I said it in my interviews. I'm up absolutely humbled and honored to to be able to lead the team in the inaugural season and um you know we went through a long process with 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 multiple candidates you know myself mm -hmm. and the ownership group um some based in the us some based in england um and for one reason or another they didn't quite work out and didn't move forward and and mm -hmm. you know the honest truth is as we went through the process of it and the more and more we we went through that process like i said and you know the more we realize the culture and getting the right person in and making sure that they fit in with the values and making sure, you know, how we want, how we want the team to, to, to grow. And, and, you know, I'd be strategic in the press and saying that we want to, we want to win championships. You know, that's a huge piece of it, especially the first team. It's about winning and being successful. Yeah. Um, but we want to do that with up to 70% homegrown players, which is, which is a ginormous feat. You know, that takes time. It takes patience. There's going to be bumps in the road. It takes resources. Um, and, and as we went through this process, you know, we sort of came to the conclusion at the table and I spoke with, with, with Bill and Stephen and Carter, our owners, and, you know, the coaching side, me, of course, was over the moon and ecstatic to have a chance, but I'd never, I hadn't thought about it at the beginning part of the process because of, you know, what we were trying to do with, with the model and how we were trying to put, you know, strategically put people in places from the assistant coaches right the way through. But like we said, to... It's been such a huge lift, this this football club, and such an exciting lift. Um, we just felt for the first year, two years, however however long it takes, to really get the wheels in motion and, and, and get this big juggernaut down the track and get, and get it moving in the right direction. You know, we felt that it was the right thing to do. So, you know, obviously I'm ecstatic, I'm excited. Um, I've lived and breathed every second of this football club from from a dream to where it is now. So I understand the culture and I've got great relationships with the ownership, which is important, you know, that they need to be yeah. comfortable with the right person in place. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm very fortunate to have an amazing backroom staff, uh, technical staff, and also front office staff that, you know, has now come together that are all supporting, uh, you know, the football club and the direction we're taking it. So yeah, very humbled and excited to have a chance to be able to lead the group and and make sure you know that we do things that we said we were going to do and put the right values and philosophies in place to to set the club up for success for years and years and years to come that's you know, i love that sorry go ahead Kyle. no you're good i was going to ask coach um listen i i think for a lot of people as you're talking about you know certain people didn't you know uh make it through the vetting process of being the coach right um they didn't line up with the values um, a couple questions on that. Um, one, what are the values going forward for Lexington? Is it just the homegrown, as you had talked about? Is there other stuff behind the scenes? And for you, do you see – this may be a question that you don't want to answer, and that's fine, but do you see yourself as the long-term coach, or is this like a caretaker position where you are actively looking for someone else so you can go head-on into sporting director mode? No, it's, it's great questions. I think, you know, the values of this football club is that, you know, the first team need to win and we want to win to keep the momentum going. Um, you know, there's there's been a huge lift and huge support from our ownership and the community and, and the city needs a winning football club. Um, so that's a huge piece of it. But we wanted to do that with a community-based field. You know, we're very invested in our community. This, this city's never had a professional football team in place before. 
Um, and we wanted to make sure that we gave opportunities to our homegrown players and to, you know, players ultimately that will come from across the globe, across North America. You know, it's a very multicultural city and we wanted to continue that into the football club. So it was important um, for us that we get our recruiting strategy right. Uh, we don't want to fill the first team of lads, which means we're never going to give a chance to any of our younger players through. Um, so it was important that we got those right balances, you know, and, and that was a big piece of it. You know, our, our values are fair, inclusive, structured. Um, you know, integrity is a huge piece to our to our ownership and to all of us, our core values. But for myself, you know, it was about being able to build a pathway, a developmental pathway, build a game model that excites our community, that allows, you know, the fans to come out and really get behind their team by playing modern, progressive football. You know, we want to... We want to score goals. We want to create, you know, create overloads in wide areas. We want to play through, play around, play over. You know, we want to high press and be, you know, very energetic and exciting and passionate in how we do that. But, you know, we'll do that in multiple different systems. So, you know, for us, it was just about getting the right people and, and the right philosophies in place that we've got. Um, and, yeah, I think exactly that, you know, again, when, you know, if I take my head coach hat off and put my sporting director hat on like I have to do sometimes, you know, it's really important that we develop players, you know, on and off the field. And we also want to develop our coaching staff on and off the field. So for me, you know, the conversations that I've had with, with our ownership group that we want to get it up and running. I think the first season, you know, while we're in temporary stadiums and training grounds as ours are being built and designed and everything like that, there'll be some bumps in the road. And I felt that with me sort of leading the team as the head coach, we could manage through that and, and understand it because I'm living and breathing it. Um, and we felt, yeah, we felt that it was the right thing to do, but always actively looking, you know, if someone of the right caliber of the right philosophies and values is there and around us, then, then there'll be an opportunity for them to come in, you know, a head coach at some point. Now, my, my wish and my hope is that's from internal and from within because we have an amazing, you know, backroom staff, as I said, and a technical staff that are all hungry, that are all excited about this, have all got experience as players um, and now stepping into their sort of uh, management role potentially for the first time in a job like this. So, so I think that allows me to still do my role as a sporting director and develop our staff and develop the backroom staff. But also, as I said before, continue to uh continue to 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 build to build you know the great build off the great foundations that we've started with our youth club and 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 the opportunities that we have there with with our players coming through the ranks absolutely like love that because I mean, you probably know and a lot of people that listen though i've talked to a lot of people on your staff and that sentiment is mirrored throughout every single person everybody has those same values that same vision and that's going to be super important. I mean, obviously, you know that, like for a, a blossoming club like ours, if everybody has a different idea of what things should be, it's going to fall into shambles. But I, I, every single person I've talked to has said that exact same thing. And and it's always been on an individual basis. So it's not like there's any parroting going on. I, I, I feel like everybody is, is invested and believes that. So I, 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 it gets me excited. I feel like you guys are all on the same page and that's going to spell success for us. So that's great. No, you know, I think, you know, as I said, you know, that this project happened, you know, it started three, four years ago and during the build phase, as you say, or, or as mm -hmm. we were starting to put it all together as a group, you know, I did a lot of research and spoke to a lot of people more experienced than myself who've been in, in different roles in football clubs and business and everything. And, yeah. you know, I made loads of notes and things like that because I'm a bit of a note taker. And one of the biggest things that, you know, that, that they said and, and it also reflected in my own experience as a player that if it's right off the field, it's always going to be right on the field. If it's not right off the field, that always drips through into being it wrong on the field. Um, and the fact that, that you said that you've spoken to them, you know, many of our staff and they're all saying the thing really fills me with a lot of pleasure and, and, and happiness because it truly is the way it is, you know, from from everybody in the front office from day one, you know, We've got a, a girl, Gretchen Mills, who was our first ever intern ever. Mm -hmm. um, and she's now working with us full time as a project manager. And she, from day one, was involved in all of our meetings, sat around the table, 
you know, had played at a very high level for ECNL, for the female side, played collegiately, had a really good career. And, you know, when we're talking about the female program, she was involved in those discussions and had her own opinion, quite rightly so, because, you know, she's lived and breathed and walked that path. So it would be silly for any yeah. of us not to listen to someone like that who's been around it. And and that really stems right the way through the football club, I think. I think we got to a point maybe two, you know, speaking honest and transparently, probably probably got to a point two, three months ago where we probably had too many voices around the table because we were so inclusive and we really brought everybody in and everybody had a word and we'd end up having a half an hour meeting that went on for an hour and a half meeting. <laughs> but, you know, right. that, was part of, that was part of our growth. That yeah. was part of, you know, our, of our culture that we set. And obviously, as we then started to staff up and move on and, and, and move sort of into into more front office technical staff, you know, merchandise, commercial. Now we've all got our heads of departments. We've all now got our jobs and roles, but we're still all very connected. And it, and um, and I think that that's a huge piece of why I believe we'll be successful both on and on the field because we do create that culture. And and that comes back to me saying, you know, you know, again, you know, why am I head coach? To be able to continue that culture, to be able to continue those values because we do have something special. You know, I've been fortunate to be around a lot of high performance clubs. You know, I've been in them myself. I've, I've been around them for many, many, many years. And 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 I'll say this openly and I've said it before that, you know, I'm, I haven't been around an ownership like this where they are so... They are so connected with the community. You know, they've put so much money into opportunities for our youth, for our for our players that maybe couldn't play before because of financial boundaries. And, you know, that's one thing mm-hmm. that they said straight away. We don't want any boundaries for any of our players. You know, they've, they've done so much in that respect, you know. And when, when, when you have an ownership like that, it really creates that vibe where you want to be successful, you want to do well because of because of how they treat you and how they look after us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So with how you guys are planning to build this homegrown system, um, because I think for a lot of people, that's where their ears perked up. Because in all reality, that's the most – to someone who's not a Lexington fan, who's not in the community day in, day out, you know, that's kind of the part where I think a lot of people are like, that's really intriguing. What's that going to look like? What are you guys going to qualify as homegrown? Um, how soon are you looking to start that? And, you know, is it how much of an influence of places like Tormenta, who started off as an academy and then became semi-pro, then professional? Obviously, you guys are a little bit expedited in that process while theirs took decade or a little bit longer. Yours is, you know, three, four years. How much influence have you taken from that? You know, I think, I think you know, I've, as I said before, I've, I, you know, I've been fortunate to be around the market um, or the USL a long period of time. I played in it back in the day and then I commentated it for four or five years and, and then I went home and I came back out. So I've seen, you know, the, the growth within the league itself. You know, now you're seeing all these young players that start to come through and, you know, at different levels, whether it's USL Championship or League One. And I think for us, you know, the homegrown piece is, is really, really important because I think it's one of the main, one of the main things that has been untapped within the US game, you know. For me, you know, back home and everywhere else, I say back home in UK and everywhere else, it's standard material. You have you, you have an academy, you try and find the best kids within your area, you develop those kids, they go through your system and you hope by the time they're 16, you get them into a scholarship where they can sign pro at 18 and come into your first team. Now over here, it's not always been the case. And that's why, you know, when we first came into this project, our, one of our biggest you know, the biggest starting point for us was to merge the two youth clubs that we had in Lexington. And that took us six, that took us probably about three months to go through that, but it was a nine month lift to be able to get our youth clubs together where we merged two youth clubs um, and branded them under obviously Lexington Sporting Club. And now we have a full methodology. We have a full curriculum that goes from top to bottom. We have phase directors in each of the phases. So we have seven, eight, nines and 10 year olds are in our skill acquisition phase. We're 11s and 12s are in our technical refinement phase. 30s, 40s, 50s are our preparation phase. And then 16s through 19s are our pathway to pro phase. And we have that on the male and the female side because there's no difference to us. They're both both elite athletes, just, you know, different pathways for the genders. That's all it is. So we have two phase directors in each, each one of those phases to help and support each other. 
Um, we now just laid in our male and female technical directors on top of that. So they oversee the, the phase directors and the phase directors oversee our coaching staff. I interviewed 127 coaches over four months for our youth club and we ended up taking 107 coaches. Um, we've completely changed the format. So we've got performance teams and competitive teams based off the level of travel, the amount of days you train, the tournaments that you enter. And we have sometimes six teams in age groups on the boys' side and six teams in the age groups on the girls' side. So, so we feel like we've got the foundation and the structure, right? Now the next part is the coaching education and helping upscale all the coaches because, as you can imagine, it's, it's a huge feat with a, with a huge staff. All of them have been absolutely bought in and loving what we're doing and they've wanted it in this community. Again, that was one of the things that we, we looked at when we, when we were looking at, you know, what are good markets to come into. Well, Lexington was a fantastic market because it had two youth clubs, but it never, the utmost respect, had a real structured, you know, youth soccer program. It had clubs that had been successful over time, but as you've seen from other markets now, they've professionalized and modernized their their structures and, and Lexington was getting left behind a little bit with the utmost respect. So to come into a market and for coaches that have been here, you know, with the utmost respect a lot longer than me and put their life and soul into the youth market, now they've got something to really hang on to and be part of and feel like, you know, feel feel a big part of that, which they are. You know, it's a really exciting time for all of them. So for us, you know, the, the, the homegrown model is someone that we believe has been in our academy two to three years. You know, our real homegrown homegrowns will be our seven, eights, nines, tens, elevens, twelves, thirteens, fourteens, maybe. Um, but I still think that if we've got someone that comes into our USL Academy or been in our youth system for a couple of years, then we feel that we'll have deposited enough information, enough development, enough support, uh, love, care, and all those things to really class them as a homegrown. And then hopefully they'll come through our academy system. In 2024, we'll be launching our USL2 team, which will be classed as our U23s. And then obviously we've got the first team launching in pre-season in February um, with, this, with the first team starting in April. So that's been the youth club lift. And then just recently, we've just launched our USL Academy uh, on the boys' side, which is, which is obviously our pre-pro pathway. It's a pilot season. So we've played six games so far. We've played Loose City twice. We've played Indy 11 once. And we've played Cleveland Force once. And we've got Indy 11 to play again and Cleveland Force to play again. Um, and this was really exciting. Obviously, we had to navigate through the high school system, which was difficult because we fully respect and support the high school. It's huge in, in, in Lexington as it is in other areas. So we had to navigate through that. So we was only getting our players on a Sunday and then trying to go and compete against some of these quality clubs. So, again, you find different, you know, different, different ways to do that and come against different things and difficult situations, but it's all part of the learning curve. So our USL Academy pool started with 360 players. We then shrunk that down to a pool of 60. So the rest of those players go back into our youth club system. We've got a player placement program, which our phase directors run. So kids that do well, players that do well, will always be tracked, always be recognized and always get an opportunity to move back across into the USL if they're doing well if they aren't done well, but if not, then they go back into their youth club and succeed in their youth club and be very successful in that. Um, so we had a squad of, we had a pool of 300, I think 360-ish, as I said, then we, we, then, we, then we shrunk that down to 60. And we've been training that pool, like I said, on Sundays for about the last two and a half, three months um, during the high school season. And then through this pilot season, we now select the squad of 24 out of that 60 for each game. And that squad's always different. So once the game's over, it resets. And then you get an opportunity off your body of work to come into the next pool. And through that now, we're now in our fourth game. And I think we've probably used maybe over 35, 40 players within that system um, in view of then we're going to Tampa in the middle of November, where we were invited by the league to go and be part of the USL showcase. It's also the finals for the league. So it'll be great experience for our players to go down and play against other USL clubs from around North America, which you wouldn't normally play in our conference. And then after that process, we will then select a group of 24 players that will be our full-time USL Academy players. And that will be made up, as I said, of 06s, 07s, 04s and 05s and we're really homing in because we've got a brilliant pool of we've got a great pool of all players but we've got a real good pool of 06s and 7s that we're excited about so 15 16 year olds that we believe if we can give them two three years in our full-time system these kids will be ready 
or players will be ready by the time they hit 18, 19 to then have an opportunity to be able to come in in the first team. And again, what's so, you know, a plus of myself being the head coach and understanding the system is that I will invite these players in. If they're doing well in the academy system, I'll invite them into train with the first team, give them that experience and let them be around the first team. So that will all tie in together. We've probably got, I think at the minute, I'm looking at two that I'll potentially sign out of the academy that will come into the first team starting in February. So already we're going to be producing players from our own city that will come in and play. And we're hoping over the next sort of course of the next 12 to 24 months, you know, we'll look to maybe have another four, five, six of those players that will be training with the first team regular. That might be seven, eight, depending on how well those kids do. And they hear it every day from us as a staff that if you're, if you're respecting your profession, if you're working hard, if you're shining in what you do, if you've got the right attitude, if you're developing as a player and a person, if you understand the technique, the technical, the technical and tactical aspects of what we're trying to do, then there's there's no limits for you because we've got a rule that if you're good enough, you're old enough. So it doesn't matter if you're 15 or if you're 26. If we've got a 15-year-old that we believe is good enough and needs to be in our first team, then he'll be in our first team. There's no question about that. That's how it was for me growing up in Southampton's academy. If you're good enough, you're old enough. And they were hugely successful with everything that they've done. And I was very fortunate to come through that program. And I've taken a lot of those nuances there into sort of what we're doing here as, as in our club. Bit of a long-winded answer. No, that's but hopefully, great. Hopefully you understand there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of moving part. And that's just the boys' side. Yeah. So now we've got the girls' GA side. So we've got the full pathway for the girls. And then we've got the girls' GA. We're just about to launch the USLW team next year. So that will be their pre-pro. And then there's big news coming around the corner in 24. But obviously, I can't say it. <laughs> Super League? Might be. <laughs> might be. I'll take a might be. Nah, I can take nah. that. <laughs> what, what, I was, what I would tell you is we are 100% will have a, have a professional pathway for the girls and a professional yeah. pathway for the boys. That's exciting because I, I feel like that's going to be massive here. And, and I, I love hearing, too, like that you guys are already given looks to our academy players. I mean, they've kind of been put to the fire because they've had to play against some uh, some uh, teams that have had first team experience. Um, and so, man, what a way to get tested. But I mean, there's no better way. I mean, you might as well because you're going to have to face that here before too long. So that's that's amazing. Um, I did want to ask because like I feel like your coaching philosophy as sporting director and head coach is going to influence a lot of what happens in the club. And so this is kind of a little bit more about you um, kind of switching away from just the general club. So thinking about um, your experience and your, your journey, um, what's kind of set you on that pathway from player to coach and what coaches specifically have kind of influenced you along the way or are influencing like your philosophies or style? Again, it's another great question. I think, you know, I, I was I was very fortunate that I, my, my whole life has been football. I came through Southampton's ranks. I was signed with them when I was 12 years old. And then I signed full contract at 14 and another contract at 16. And then I originally, and then I signed pro at 18. And after that, I then went on to play for 19 years in three different countries. You know, I played over 620 on first team games. So I was yeah. in lots of different environments with lots of, different characters um, and I kind of went through that old school into the new mm -hmm. age before it went really new age so right you know back when I first grew up you know when I was 19 in the first team if I made a mistake I'd be pushed up against the changing room what blue and hell were you doing what blah 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 and then everybody uh -huh. go out for a drink afterwards but that's how it was in the pros back then <laughs> not a bad way yeah. it's just a culture that it right was. Right. And then as I went through my 20-year career, we then obviously got more professionalized. We got more into heart rate monitors at the beginning of it, a lot more. Didn't do as much analysis and stuff that we did back then, which I wish we had. But for me, right. I was, as, as a player, I was a thinker. I was a pleaser. Mm -hmm. That's what I used to do. I used to get a lot, you know, and I've said, spoken openly about this. You know, I, I got a lot of my self-worth out of pleasing. So the manager right. said I did well or patted me on the back, I'd feel great about. Even if I had a good game, I wouldn't allow myself to think like that. I'd always look for other reasons and ways to be able to find that, you know, that that that's in, that self-security, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and I always was big into visualization. I was big into sports psychology ahead of my time. So the lads would think, I was, well, what do you do psychologists for? Are you crazy? 
but for me <laughs> i was always ahead of that i used to do yoga i used to stretch i used to do all these different things um, yeah to try and be the best possible version that i could be to be able to play at the weekend and that was really important to me um so for me now it's about being able to create an environment where you feel safe it's about creating an environment where you're supported it's about creating an environment where you meet the individual where they're at. And how can I make you, Tyler, the best version of you on and off the field? What can we do as a football club to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to make you successful within our game model and our principles of pay and our structure? So for me, it's really important that we recruit the right people and the right characters that understand that they've got the freedom and the creativity to do what they want in a real rigid structure. And if you look at Pep, if you look at Jurgen Klopp, if you look at all the top teams, they got the best players in the world, but they play in such a tight structure and away in possession and out of possession. And it's the same way that we're going to be, exactly the same. You know, we will have mental wellness and sports psychologists. We do have a data analysis and recruitment team that are going to cut and clip all of our films so you can get individual clips, you can get unit clips, you can see and work and learn how you could be better on and off the field. We will have the support for players that might be moving away from home and they don't know how to cook. So we need to show them how to cook when they live for themselves or we need to help right. them manage their money because we never had anyone helping us manage our money. You know, all these different things that we can help and support off the field ultimately make you as a player comfortable, relaxed, no anxiety, no stress. So you can focus on what we need you to do and that is to be the best possible player that you can be for our football club now and moving forward. So that's a huge philosophy for me. You know, I love the modern day game. I love rotations in midfield and wide players. I love how Pep plays, how Jurgen Klopp plays. I love how Brentford play at the minute and what they're doing. Tottenham, mm -hmm. how they play. You know, I could pick a million teams of how I want right. my team to play, whether it's a 4-2-3-1 or a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2, all these different formations that I love. But our principles are our principles in that we're mm -hmm. a hardworking team. We're going to go for 95 minutes every single game. We won't have any yeah. excuses. We're going to play creative, stylish football because that's what our city wants. When we did yeah. all of our, when we did all of our um, research on the name and the brand and everything like that, the listening meetings, I sat in on all of those because I wanted to hear what what the Lex, Lextonian, if that's the right way of putting it. Yeah, you, you get hear, it, <laughs> Lexingtonians. A Lexingtonian, I wanted to hear what Lexingtonian yeah. <laughs> were used to and what they wanted. And they spoke about being at Keelan's where the trumpet goes and it's two minutes of craziness while the horse goes around the track. They talk about um, the basketball, you know, UK basketball, where they're fully attacking and they score loads of points and they're successful. So we yeah. as a club can't come in and play a boring style of football because this community won't accept it. So no. <laughs> we've got to be a real attacking, real attacking, expansive side like type yeah. of play where we're counter-attacking, we're quick in a high press, we, we repress mm -hmm. high up the field, you know, so we've got a style and a play and we've got player profiles and everything like that. But for me, like I've watched football, my wife will tell you, the kids will tell you, I watch football, I read football, I love to educate myself, I listen Listen, I'm big on like the flow genome and getting in the flow and how you're able to really conquer that and get connected. Yeah. But I'm a relationship-based coach. That's what I think makes a difference because when we get to our level in the pros, mm -hmm. it will take the younger ones. Everyone's quality. Everyone's got pace. Everybody knows the game. Everybody knows the tactical side of the game. So what makes a difference? The difference is trying to get a group of men to be able to connect and have a chemistry on the field that then allows them to go and be successful in all different situations and different adversities that happen when we're on there. There's going to be loads of pressure. Um, so for me, it's about relationships and creating good relationships to be able to get the best out of, out of my players. And, and that's it, really. Yeah. So Taylor I, and I are both educators. So that like resonates because yeah. that's all they drill into us is performance is all about relationships. That's what's going to yeah. get kids to that next level. So that's uh, that definitely resonates. Taylor, you had a question. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I was actually about the relationships um, because, you know, taking my time doing the teaching thing, but also having, you know, the coaching experience, the relationships is everything. And I've asked every coach this whenever you're dealing with with personalities, you're dealing with kids, grown men who are the best player from where they came from. They were hands down the best no matter what. 
you know, there's obviously egos to deal with. There's also different ways of teaching information. Some people like yourself want to be pat on the back, say, hey, you did great. And that's all they need. Some players, which as all we all are, because money is important, are driven by the dollar bill. Some people I've dealt with several of these kids, which blew my mind, were kids that like they want you to get in their face and just, you know, scream at them, tell them that you hate them. And, you know, they will go bang their head against the wall and go run out and go a full 90. You know, for you, how do you balance all those different kind of relationships? How do you tailor your coaching for those kind of people? And as a, you know, a further, uh, I guess, wormhole to go down when you're scouting players, when you're watching the film and you get them finally, you say, I like what you're putting on the field and you talk to the personality, what personality are you looking for? Uh, there's, there's a lot to unpick there, which is brilliant. You know, I, I think, I think, for, you know, for me, relationships has always been something that, that I've, I've really sort of been drawn toward. I played my best football for the coaches that understood me and, felt like a friend even though they were my coach and my respected him and i think for us you know for me to be able to create relationships i have to create trust first and to create trust i have to do what i say and say what i do i have to be fair across the board i have to treat everybody the same but also a little bit different but the standards and the values of our football club will never never change because no one's bigger than the crest right no one's bigger than the club not in anything me anybody nobody's ever bigger than the club so i think as long as you're fair and you're honest and have no ego, which I had an ego when I was a player. I probably had an ego, you know, up until <laughs> two, three years ago. That's a big part of me trying to lose that. I didn't, even when I didn't know I had an ego, I probably had an ego because of the way I reacted in certain situations that maybe got my back up or maybe, maybe start to want to justify something or all these different things. But I just think, you know, I think all of those experiences has taken to me this, to this place now where I'm very fortunate to understand myself. I've done a lot of work on myself and a lot of work in, in, around people, but also had 25 plus years in changing rooms with a million different egos and characters and intuition like that. So for me, it's about understanding. It's a, and it's a great question because it's the same way that you're with, how do you get Ronaldo to play for you? He's got all the money in the world. He's got, he's been at the highest level. He's done everything that you need to do. The only way that like, you get Ronaldo to play for me, in my humble opinion, is to say to him, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to do whatever I could possibly do to make you the best version of you, like I said before. And to do that, I have to be consistent with my actions. I have to be consistent in the way that I talk and my terminology. I have to make sure that I back up everything that I say. And then I also have to be seen to be doing the same things to the other teammates because I'm always being watched by the players as well. And I think if you get that right, which you're not always going to get that right, but I think if you get that right 99 times out of 100, you've got a really good chance. And then when you get it wrong, you've got to be able to come into the group and go, you know what? I got that wrong. That's on me. I completely misread that situation. That's on me. That's my fault. I'll make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I'll go away and do whatever I need to do to research and make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I think if you do that over time, in my humble experience as a player and being around a million players as a player and now as a coach, that's, that for me seems to be the way that works. And if there's a better way or another way, then I'd love to learn it as well because I'm always trying to get better. And that's one thing that I think the players will see about me is no one will outwork us. No one's going to work harder than us No, in, in what we do off the field in our analysis, in our detail, in our training, in our planning, in our organization, in the sessions that we put on. So I think if you wrap all of that around in one thing, then I think you've got a really good starting place to be able to manage the different egos. And I was actually reading a book for the second time today called Winning by, uh, I forget his name, I'll pull it up right now. It's bad that I forgot it one second, it's right in front of me now. It's a really great book, I've listened to it twice. Um, and there was a point in that today by Alistair Campbell, right, called Winners. And it's really good. You've got, he said there's two types, or he was interviewing, um, and he said that there's two types of players. There's players that obviously thrive off the team, and there's players that use the team to thrive themselves. And that's the difference in the two egos. And as long as you know that and understand that and can manage that, it's okay. Because some of the best players in the world are probably the, maybe the most craziest and the most hardest to manage in some respects. But when you dig down deep into it, they all want to be successful. They all want to win. And they all love being part of the team. 
So that's if that's what we have to create, a really good environment like that. And then to answer your next question, how do we recruit? Obviously, that's the, that's, that's the tough, isn't it? That's, that's the million dollar question because we're doing loads of Y Scout. You know, I went yesterday to go and watch a player. So we're watching films, we're watching clips. You know, I don't like to watch just clips. I like to watch at least 45 to 90 minutes of the game, even if it's on telly with my own eyes so I can see it. But a lot of what I'm watching is not the technical and the tactical. It's more the body language and the body shape. How are they doing when it's going well? What they like? How are their body shape when they're not doing so well? Are they still looking to try and be positive or are they starting to be negative? How do they act to themselves when things they throw in their arms up in the air every time someone their teammates makes some mistakes? And that, that's telling the whole stadium that you and that's making me look bad. That's not the sort of things that we want. And then obviously we do a lot of research with, um, you know, contacts and people. We try to dig down deep into managers they've played for, people, players that, you know, I'm a big one for players that have played with them because I think you get a real good feel from players that have played with other players. They'll give you an honest opinion. Yeah, he's a great lad, but you know what? When things are going well, he tends to go quiet and in his shell. Or he's a great lad and when things are going wrong, you'll point the finger and shout and ball. And that's none of that's to say that that's right or wrong or would necessarily put me off a quality player. What I like to do or what we like to do as a staff is just know what we're going into so we know how to handle that individual person. Yeah, that's great because, you know, that that mentality is going to also win over fans too, you know. And then it's also awesome to hear that, you know, it's not just like give up just because you hear those negative qualities that you guys are willing to put in that work and then help uh, create the best version of them that you guys can, because at the end of the day, that's going to make them a, a better person, not just a better player. And uh, I think that really speaks to you all's vision that you keep reiterating about how you want to approach the team, the players as individuals, just their their connection to the community. And that's all going to carry through. Uh, 100%. And, and I, the, the great thing about it, I'm not sat here in any way preaching. I have made a million mistakes in my life, in my career, bad choices, bad decisions. So there's no judgment and there's no blame. That's the biggest thing for our changing room. We don't judge and we don't blame because you yeah. start doing that and pointing the finger, you're in a real bad place because I'm certainly not going to sit here and tell somebody that they've done crazy decisions and you're this, this and this. That's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. There's always mm -hmm. a reason to why that decision and there's always a consequence to, to that decision. And then it's how you move forward from that decision is what I want to work on and help because if it was like that, then I wouldn't be sat here. I'd never have played the amount of games and done anything I would have done because I'd have been struck off the list a long, long time ago. So, again, it, it, it's about creating an environment just to say that we understand it. We expect mistakes to be made with young players. We expect mistakes to be made with older players. You know, not mm -hmm. everyone makes right decisions all the time. But I think it's important that we can continue to support that. And if that same, if that same mistake or decision gets made over and over again, then that's a whole different ball game and a whole different conversation because obviously, right. you know, there's there's only so much you can do before there has to be something that has to be done. But right. it's certainly not one strike and done, not at all, you know. And that yeah. again, that's that's something that's come down from our ownership, you know. I've made mistakes mm -hmm. as a sporting director trying to do things, maybe not done done quite right, or you know, hadn't thought I'd done something right, but it hadn't turned out quite right. And as long as you're open and honest and you hold your hands up, you say, you know what, this is why I did it. This is what I thought would happen. This has actually happened. And now I need a little bit of help to be able to solve it. Then I think yeah. people will work. I think you'll work with that anywhere in, in any industry that you do. But if you're one right. that makes, makes a decision and then blames it on 16 other people, and it wasn't my fault and I didn't do this. And I, nobody wants to work with that. So it's getting no. past that piece. And to get past that piece, you've got to create trust with your players. Right. Great, Taylor. Um, I was going to just ask kind of a little bit more about the scouting because I think a lot of people, that mm -hmm. at least for me, um, and a lot of people listening to this, they're like, oh, I remember doing a FIFA career mode or I love football <laughs> manager. I've been playing since the championship manager. So that's like where people really get their rocks off, you know? And I just kind of yeah. want to know because, I mean, the playoffs are happening. We talked about that a little bit. Um, as a coach, you know, when you're watching the playoffs in the USL, you know, are you subliminally kind of scouting or are you actively scouting? Because uh, I've heard another coach say this before. Um, the USL, more than almost any other league in the world, is so <laughs> incestuous. Their players yeah. stay within the league. 
They don't necessarily stay in one club, but they just rotate around different uh, clubs around the league. When you're looking at League One and even the championship, how are you looking to scout those teams if you're even scouting at all? I've, I was going to show you my phone. I've got a list of every team, championship, League One, players that I like, positions, you know, two or three sentences on really good centre forward, holds the ball up well, really good at getting in the channel so can extend the back line, combines well with his midfielders or centre back who steps into pressure well, who plays off the front foot, really good in the air, dominant on the ground. So I've got a complete list on my phone. So I've watched pretty much all of the USL League One tick games this year. And the great thing about it with the time zones, you can watch like 40 minutes 45 you get like four games in on a saturday at home because of all the different time zones um and then i filled in I did, i've done a lot of work as i mentioned before you know i was fortunate to 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 commentate in the championship but it was a couple of years ago so i feel like i had a good a good hold of all of those notes and players that around that um that's not to say by any means of of, of i cracked it or anything like that but i've got players one or we've got players should i say that we're very much interested in i think the first the first thing we did was have a game model and a style of play of how we want to play and how we want to look. This was done months ago. And then what we want to do in possession, what we want to do in out possession and what our transition moments look like. From that, we then built our player profile. So in each position, right back, centre back, left back, holding mid, tacking mids, wide players, centre forwards. We have position specific traits of what we're looking for. So a fullback to be able to go box to box, deliver balls into wide areas, play high on the line, be really good in 1v1 situations defensively, can cover ground, you know, can and very technical. We, you know, a holding midfielder that can dominate the game, can find the space, can get on the ball in tight areas, you know, knows how to play in one holding, knows how to play in two holding. So we've got position specifics. Um, and then we've obviously got and I will say this hand on heart, being transparent with you guys, that is probably what has been the most overwhelming part of this entire job in the last eight sort of four years is since being named head coach. And I had a lot as a sport director, but since being named head coach, the amount of players that are getting sent to me from LinkedIn, from Instagram, yeah. from emails, from agents and the way my brain works, like I can't let that go because the one the one player that I don't look at might be the one that's a, right. the diamond in the rough that then we can yeah. work with that then could be the one that we can move on in two years time and make you know sell and make money for so mm -hmm. that's been really hard to try and manage that in my own brain and, and the staff and the technical staff have done really really well with that for me so like I said I've got this entire list on my phone from all league one championships and then what I've done is I've probably got 10 to 12 contacts around the world, England, Europe, a lot in America, coaches that I know, head coaches that I know, agents that I'm really zoning in on and listening to and, and getting them mm -hmm. to feed me. And then obviously we've got first assistant, second assistant, head of goalkeeping, and they've all got contacts that they're getting to. So we've got this huge bucket right. of players that we're filtering in. And I send all of them to our head of data, our head of recruitment data analysis team. And then mm -hmm. they're filtering they're filtering all of those players based off our KPIs, so our key performance indicators, which is our uh, player profiling. And then, as you know, I'm back in the UK now. And when I mm -hmm. go back to the States, on when I go back to Lexington on the 1st of November, I will spend all of November going through all the players that we've identified. We've got them in position specific. We've got anything from 10 to 12 players in each position, and that will probably grow. Obviously, first mm -hmm. choice, second choice, third choice, because you're not always going to get first choice or your second right. choice. So we've made sure that we've got enough players in each one of those positions. And then when I get back, I'll start making phone calls and start speaking to players that we think fit the bill and what we want to do. But as I said, it's the most overwhelming, but it's also the most exciting part of it because to be able to build a team from scratch and see what that looks like and then put it in a system and then put it out in the field in less than five months' time is, is unbelievable. Is, is unbelievable for us. But as I said, we've got a really good team and a really good technical staff and a backroom staff with my assistants and um, and our analysis team. So we're going through that process now. But yeah, yeah, it, that, it's, it's, it's a big one. 
I, man, that sounds overwhelming, exciting, yeah. like all emotions wrapped into one because like you just think like at the end of the day, that could pay off and that could be like a championship team that you just handpicked from everywhere. But man, like all those names, that stresses me out for you thinking about yeah. that. And and there's so many different, like obviously you got you got all the different leagues and college collegiate programs. And I don't uh-huh. know whether you're in Div 1 or whether you're in yeah. Div 3. You've still got a quality player that you can mm-hmm. look at and think, wow, two years in our system, we could really develop that player and bring them forward. So right. this first year, we've had to put our blinkers on and really filter to just trusted, trusted people, trusted relationships. Mm-hmm. Comes back to relationships, right? Trusted relationships. Right. And then them sending in players. And then we do our due diligence and research on it. And then hopefully we'll come out with the ones that we want. But again, we want to get a blend. I want to get a blend of, you know, we'll have some experienced players because we need I mean, they've got to echo our message as a coaching staff inside the changing room because the changing room is players space for me. Yes, we'll right. be in and out of it, but it's their space where they get to be players and they create their own, you know, culture and everything inside their own relation inside their own locker rooms so mm-hmm. it's important that we get the right leaders in there because you know i've been in i've been in teams before where you get the wrong leader in there and that can rip the heart out of everything um, right so it's important we get the right characters that understand that you know you're an experienced player but mistakes might be made by younger players but that's part of what we're trying to do so you've got to make sure that you handle that and bring these kids through and then we've got to get that mid-range to 22 to 24 where you've got players that are in their prime and they're Mm-hmm. They've maybe had a bump in the road or they've maybe had a bit of a difficult situation somewhere or they quite, quite haven't hit their potential and they're looking for that new lease of life where they can be, you know, where they can feel love and res- res- respected and supported. And that will then blossom because I've been in those situations of a player mm-hmm. where, you know, I was at a club and the manager, I didn't get on and my game went like that. And then I went to a club where the manager liked me and it went like that. Right, so you can't right. write any of them off. And then we've got our younger players that are going to need support. They're going to need minutes and just be around the environment. So lots of mm-hmm. lots of moving pieces. Yeah, no doubt. And then, of course, you have uh, FC Tucson. Those players looking for homes. For and, sure, yeah. No, I've spoken yeah. to a couple of them. I've spoken to a couple of them. And obviously, you know, it's sad to see them drop out. But they've yeah. got their reasons that they need to do it. And hopefully they'll go down to League, league 2, do well, and pop back up in a couple of years. Because... Yeah, you know the league. The league one for me is getting you know championship is amazing as well. But the league one's getting right. so exciting with all these new clubs coming in and all these mm-hmm. new teams. Yeah, every day a new one. I feel. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yep. Uh, thinking about like league one, this is kind of a little bit of a gear shift. Um, but when you've been watching all this league one action, uh, which team have you enjoyed watching most? Like the most fun to watch or most interesting? Any way you want to take that. What team are you just like, all right, I really want to make sure that their game is on my list, not necessarily for scouting, but just because? I think, I, I, it's a, again, that's a great question, and I'm not going to swerve it or duck it, but I think I think it's, I think I look at Chattanooga, and I love their flair, and I love the way that there's a bit of chaos, but they also have got a game plan and an understanding. They've got some really good individual players, um, and they seem to find a way through grit and grind and different ways to be able to win. I think they do well. You know, um, I think they're definitely that, an attacking force. Yeah, they're an attacking force. I think, you know, I, I really like Greenville and the way that they do it. You know, I think that they're very structured and, you know, they've got a really good system and a style of play and they've been successful mm-hmm. over in the last few years. And, you know, they've got a good blend of young and old players and I think they play good football. Um, I think Coach, Richmond kickers. Sorry. sorry to cut you off. Did you did you play? Were you still playing for the Railhawks when Harks was uh, at Cincy? I was still, yeah, I never played. No, I didn't play against him. I know he was there, but I never played against him. Okay. I actually played with, mm. I played with a, the Don Smart, who's a centre midfielder, when we were oh, yeah. at FC New York back in the day. Yeah, so he okay. Was, he, he was a young lad there, and I was a bit of an older pro. He's a really good lad. Uh, still spent, you know, I, when I was commentating, I got his shirt when he was at Indy 11, you know. That's how oh, man. he was at it. So he's a good lad. And then I played with Kira Fitzgerald at... Carolina Railhawks at Richmond, yeah. Louise, they're obviously flying down there. And I think that they're a very, I love the way that they played. Obviously, they've got an unbelievable goal threat up top. Um, oh, yeah. But they use the ball well and they're quite patient. 
Um, so now, you know, I think, you know, I was a big fan of Omaha. I know they got knocked out, but I think the way that they played and they pressed and how they had to build another team in sort of nine, ten months and what they were doing there. I just like that the way that, you know, it's quite British in some way, British style of play and the way that they, mm-hmm. they got in your face and they pressed and they worked you and, yeah. you know, and they did well. They also had quality, don't get me wrong, but, they you know, they, they had right. real good strengths. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I think I think there's a few teams in there that, that you know, that yeah. I, I certainly admire and there's definitely players within all of those groups and that I really, really admire and think have done really, really well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So, Taylor, did you have one? This was, I mean, it's we're running a little bit long, so I do want to, you know, go ahead and uh, start wrapping things up. So, for people who are League One or who are Lexington fans or people who are just fans of the USL in general, what's, uh, I guess, just some parting thoughts for them, um, like general plans or like what people can expect or. You know, just some just some parting thoughts as a coach, whatever you want it to be. Well, I think I think for me, I think continue to support and grow and watch the USL, whether it's Championship or League One, because every year it's getting better and better and better with better quality players, better systems of play. Managers, you know, I'm I'm new to it, so managers in the league are gaining more and more experience and understanding and becoming even better and harder to break down and beat. I think that the league itself is so exciting. You look at all of these young players now that are getting tipped and being sold. I think you'll see more and more players over the next, you know, one, two, three, four, five years are going to get sold for more and more money because there's so much quality. I think you're starting to see, you know, the fruits of a lot of these clubs. Look at Loose City, you know, you look at, Orange County to name but a few where these players are coming through, doing well and getting moved on. Um, So I think that's exciting for the league. I think if you're a Lexington Sporting Club supporter, I think it's, it's, you couldn't be a better time to be in the city, to be able to have a professional football club. You know, we, I can guarantee that we will, you know, we will work as, as hard as anyone in the league. We will put our shoulder to the wheel. We'll do everything we can to play exciting, expansive football. We want to score goals and concede not very many. So, You'll see a real structure within our play and you'll see a game plan. And every game will be a little bit different depending on who we play and the, the, what the opposition have and how they play. So you'll see little tactical nuances within that, which will be good. I think if you're a Lexington Sporting Club fan, you're welcome to come down to the training ground anytime and meet the players and see us and be part of it. You'll see us out in the community a lot. And when, when we are out in the community, please come and say hello and come and talk to us because, you know, we are... We talk about it, one club, one community, one family, and that's important. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's my, my parting words on it. I love Holy. it. Got goosebumps. I'm ready. <laughs> Call it. Left to yeah. come down, mate. Once you get going, Tyler, anytime. Absolutely. I'd love to. I can't wait to take my boys to their first game, too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll sort that out big time. We'll get you in. Come and see all the players in the change rooms and all that. No problems. That'll be no amazing. Problems. I'd love it. Love that. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you, Coach, for uh, taking the time. This was a really fun, really informative. Um, I think the fans, the uh, people who are listening, are going to absolutely love this because it was just an absolute blast. So we can't thank you enough. Uh, no, listen, I, I appreciate you having me on here. I hope it was it was honest and truthful, which is what we're all about. And, you know, anything that I can do moving forward for you guys and anything you need from us at the club, just let us know. It's an open-door policy, so always happy to talk about stuff and, welcome anybody that wants to come in and be part of it love it love it thank you so yeah. much and thank Cheers you everybody guys. For thanks for your work thank you